Hello and welcome to the Stockout. This is your show at FreightWaves about CPG company supply chains and CPG company supply chains. I am your host, Mike Bowdendistel. I'm an analyst and market expert here at uh, FreightWaves. Hope everyone has had a good week, is having a good Friday the 13th. Um, so what I'm going to do today is focus in on uh, a number of the data series that came out that I thought were interesting this week in, in Sonar. You know, describing the freight markets, you know, as we see them. Also, talk about some of what some of the other companies that we follow and talk to have been saying. Um, you know, earlier in the week, did one newsletter on uh, Tyson a Chicken, and um, you know, which really had you know, sort of blowout results. Um, but you know, really in today's show, I'll talk uh, more about the newsletter that went out this morning to uh, fr- uh, FreightWave Stockout uh, subscribers which was really sort of zeroing in on uh, some of the freight uh, trends, um, sort of taking some, some insights that you can sort of gather from the huge amount of data that we have in a FreightWave sonar. So that's what I'm gonna be doing this week. Uh, for those of you that are um, you know, shippers that are involved in uh, refrigerated transportation, food, uh, et cetera, next week, I'll just say right off the bat that we're gonna have a good show uh, with a guest from the Food Biz uh, podcast. Um, uh, one, one of their two uh, you know, co-hosts is going to join us, uh, and, and they're going to be on to, to talk in detail about what's happening in the world of food and uh, refrigerated transportation. It'd be interesting to see what they have uh, you know, going on with um, you know, potentially you know, consumer consumption uh, patterns changing uh, you know, based on what's happening with the Delta the variants. But, but today it's going to be you know, pretty uh, heavily uh, focused on uh, freight uh, data and, and trends. Um, but uh, before we, we get into all that, I'd like to, to take a minute to thank our sponsor. Our sponsor this week is NYSHEX. That's the New York Shipping Exchange. Uh, so NYSHEX is supporting the transportation of container shipping by solving inefficiencies associated with booking downfalls and shipment rollings. To learn more about that, uh, please visit NYSHEX, N-Y-S-H-E-X.com. So they're, they're solving inefficiencies with uh, associated with booking downfalls and shipment rollings. And, and, and what that means for people that aren't familiar with those, that terminology is basically a, a, a shipper has an agreement with a carrier or um, you know, ocean broker to, um, to move those containers on the ocean. They, they expect a certain level of service. They expect certain rates. And those you know, commitments, like a lot of freight uh, contracts, don't always, you know, aren't, aren't always uh, committed, aren't always upheld. Um, a lot of those contracts don't have a lot of teeth. And so what, what's interesting that this company is um, is, is planning to do uh, for its customers is to develop multi-year agreements that have a certain amount of uh, certainty associated with um, you know with, with shipping agreements sort of sort of eliminate all that volatility in terms of rates in terms of, in terms of having the shipments rolled from one uh, you know container vessel to the to the next to the next. Um, you know so those those uh, uh, service levels that um, you know are expected are, are actually are actually met. Uh, so that uh, ties nicely into you know topic number one that I have today, which is a, a tight ocean shipping market should persist for the remainder of this year. And um, you know one of the things that I, I uh, listened to this week to gain intelligence on the market is is, is NYSHEX at New York Shipping Exchange. Um, you know had a webinar that I had been uh, promoting in in, in my uh, newsletter. And you know, listen to this on Wednesday. They had a really good uh, guest speaker that was Lars, Jens- Lars Jensen. He's the CEO of, of Vespucci Maritime. So that's a company that specializes in container, in the container shipping industry. Who, who gave some some highlights on 
you know, what's happening in the marketplace. And I'll run through a few of the, the takeaways, at least from, from my perspective. And, and really sort of the, his first point is, uh, you know, why is there so, so much tightness? Is there really a global container boom? And the, actual, the answer is no, there's not a global container uh, shipping boom. It's really an U.S. import boom. So U.S. Uh, imports, you know, still at an elevated level. They've been at an elevated level for a long time. Uh, you know, it really sort of had a, an early peak season last year. It never really cooled off, you know, to this point. Uh, imports are still, you know, well above, you know, last year's levels. Um, but if you look at the overall, uh, you know, global market, it's it's only been growing at about a 3% annual rate since 2019. So that's that would typically be a, a, a level that uh, the market should be able to um, to support, um, but it's, it's really been for, because of this this you know, heightened uh, degree of of U.S. imports, and, and and you could have your own theory as to why. Maybe it's the U.S. stock market outperforming the other other worlds. Maybe we're being too generous with these uh, you know extended unemployment benefits and not allowing uh, evictions for people who haven't paid their rent in a year and a half, and you know those type of things. Um, but whatever the, you know the case is, I mean, it really has created a lot of disruptions for uh, importers that are that are importing goods you know into the United States and. Uh, you know, in particular, those companies that are, um, you know, moving bulk goods where the, the transportation cost is a relatively high percentage of the total delivered cost, you know, those companies are the ones that, that have, uh, you know, a, a greater a greater issue. I mean, the, the ones that have maybe less of an issue are the ones that, you know, are moving smaller, very high value, you know, goods. You, th- you think of things like, you know, technology, you know, products, although a lot of those technology products move over the, the air as well. And, and, and the capacity you know, in that mode could, 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 could tighten up, uh, you know, further also, um, if there's less travel because of the, the, the Delta, you know, variant. Um, but some interesting stats that, that came out of that, um, you know, webinar is the, the delays, uh, you know, and, and basically it's, it's been not just a function of, of the demand, but also reduced capacity or not reduced capacity because there's been fewer ships, but reduced capacity because of the the various delays and and shutdowns in in, in various you know, ports and terminals. We've seen those uh, you know COVID outbreaks in Yanchen, and there's another one now here in, in, in China too, a different port that's that's closer to, to Shanghai. Um, but but there we've seen uh, you know delays in, in global capacity. The, the delays cutting global capacity by about 10% in June was was one of the the estimates. So, so yeah, and then another um, you know uh, component there was was Flexport, uh, so that the time it takes for a container from Shanghai to Chicago has gone from 35 days to 72 days. So it's an extra month plus, um, and that would include you know both the the, the ocean and and of course the the surface transportation to get it inland uh, you know to you know Chicago. Um, you know, assuming it went through the. The, the West Coast is it's about a 2,000, you know, 2,200 mile, you know, uh, land bridge option going from, from from LA. So that would, you know, could either be on the, on the rail or the truck, often, uh, you know, often the rail. So, you know, you've really had uh, multi delays in multiple different um, modes. And then, uh, you know, there's been a, a, another one where the, the the equipment backhauls have been really tight. Um, and then also, there's been tremendous variability in terms of what you know uh, shippers are actually paying. Where you have you know different boxes, you know, moving for vastly different rates. It's that's been, I think, a big part of why there's been a lot of these compliance issues and you know, containers getting rolled. So uh, you know, a lot of the, the lower priority shippers have been ones where you know their shipments have been have been rolled onto the subsequent vessels. So it, it's 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 been very difficult for. Um, you know, those companies that are, are shipping goods internationally, uh, you know, a lot of those companies try to get those goods 
you know, into the U.S. Let's say there's a consumer goods that need to be on the shelves for the holiday season. Uh, a lot have already have, have tried to get those, you know, in, in the United States, you know, months ahead of time. Uh, you know, some are already here, some are in, in, in warehouses. Um, but but I think it's getting, you know, a concern that, you know, one of our uh, freight waves writers had, which was that, you know, Christmas could be, you know, canceled when you sort of think of, uh, you know, not getting all of the, you know, toys and, um, you know, Christmas items, you know, in on time. And one thing that's maybe a little bit discouraging from uh, the perspective of, of what was uh, discussed uh, on uh, NYSEX's webinar by um, you know, Vespucci Maritime is that they said the earliest time frame for return to normal is early 2022. So we you know, are likely to have this for at least a few months. I mean, typically now is when you'd start to get close to where the peak shipping season is. And you sort of think of intermodal, kind of the peak shipping season there tends to be about October in order to get goods on the shelf by you know, Black Friday, November, um, you know, for, with truckload, it's maybe a little bit later than that. Um, you know, and in the last, you know, year or two, it, it, the, the trucking has really been hot right in, you know, December and even past the holiday. Um, so uh, you know, with, with shipping, you would expect it to be, you know, a little, a little earlier since that's earlier, in, you know, in the supply chain. So, so really right about now is, is, is really typically when you would expect the, the ocean, you know, shipping, you know, demand to pick up. I mean, we do have a, a sonar chart on the Baltic you know, daily index, which um, is, is something that has been an interesting one. So what we're seeing there is, uh, you know, you see that that data absolutely shoot up at, at the end of July. That was really because Freytos received some feedback that, um, you know, their, their freight rates were not properly reflecting, you know, things like surcharges. Um, and, and so they, they changed the, um, the methodology for calculating those, those, those rates. So I think that's a, sort of a more accurate you know, rate when you look at that is sort of seventeen thousand dollar, fifteen thousand you know dollar. I think that's per you know TEU, and you know even before that big jump up, those um, those rates were uh, you know about two hundred percent up year over year. So even before you know that, that that change in methodology, those were those were way up both from China to the West Coast, which is what you see in blue, and, and China to the East Coast, which is a little bit higher because it's a it's a couple of week extra sailing time. Even though that spread maybe looks a little bit narrower than it typically, you know, w- would would be. I mean, really, it's the, the the issue is you know having enough space, you know, on the vessels, um, and and really those delays have taken a tremendous amount of capacity out of uh, the marketplace. So, you know, it's sort of maybe challenging news for um, you know companies that are 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 moving goods, you know, internationally over the ocean. We still have a few more uh, months before that gets alleviated, um, you know, at least. Moving on to topic number two, uh, intermodal spot rates uh, spiked in the past week. And you know, I talk about intermodal spot rates, you know, largely because to us, they're more uh, visible than contract rates. I mean, contract rates are, are a little bit more opaque because it's a, you know, a contract, a private contract between carrier and, and, and shipper. We're not always you know, privy to those. Uh, but, but for spot rates, you know, we have a really good uh, you know, data series that goes into Sonar, gets updated every you know, Wednesday morning, it, you know, basically the class one railroads. Uh, we'll publish, you know, certain updated spot rates. Those get relayed to a supplier um, on Tuesday, and those get into our system sort of overnight Tuesday into Wednesday. And what you see there, this is just a one-week change. Uh, if you can see the screen, um, what a one-week change in the spot rates. And what you see there is from LA to Dallas, uh, a 38% jump. Chicago to LA to Chicago, 34% jump. LA to Atlanta, 13% jump. So, so all of these, I mean, what that tells you is. LA is really tight. And even if you look at sort of the absolute levels there, 
um, asking you know, $5.99 a mile, including fuel from LA to Dallas. No one's going to pay that. It's basically putting a four, uh, sold out sign you know, on the window and saying, you know, we're protecting all of our capacity for those contracted shippers. So that makes things very difficult for, um, you know, anyone who, that, that had any thought of moving, you know, goods, uh, you know, via, um, you know, intermodal on the spot uh, market. It's really, that's going to, those are going to be truckload lanes unless, you know, you already have an existing, you know, contract in place. Another um, highlight there from that chart is right in the middle, uh, top part of it, Chicago to Linden, that's Linden, New Jersey. So basically same area as Elizabeth, Newark, right outside of New York City. You know, that uh, increase of 40% to $3.42 a mile, including fuel, which is which is high. If we look at the next uh, chart here, you know, we can see how that compares to truckload. So the intermodal rate there, $3.42 a mile. Keep in mind, a week ago, it was less than $2.50 a mile. So you had that 40% jump in one week. And now look how close it is in line with the truckstop.com spot rate. You know, these are rates in, in both cases, including fuel and the, the intermodal rate is specifically door-to-door to move 53-foot containers. So, so we do feel that those two lines are comparable. We're, you know, the apples to apples comparison across modes, intermodal in blue, truckload in orange. And that's only about a 7% spread. Now with a 7% spread, a shipper probably is not going to be enticed to move goods via rail intermodal. You're not going to take that lower service level that you would typically get with, with, with intermodal, particularly uh, because we know about all of the, the, the congestion issues, the service issues that we've had in and around uh, the Chicago area. So that's a, you know, a lane that all of a sudden you know, a week ago looked like, you know, it was viable in the spot market. And now it, now it doesn't look like it's, it's, it's viable. Um, if you want to go to the next slide, I can talk or next uh, chart, I can talk a little bit about, you know, what's happening in the world of contracts. And, you know, we, we do see some rates in, in, in contract, you know, data um, that we, we help some of our enterprise customers out with. I mean, this is, uh, you know, one ch- uh, chart that's available in uh, FreightWave Sonar. Yeah, which is intermodal outbound tender rejection index. We have this in, a, in, a, in about six or seven different you know, locations, but here I'm showing, showing the two that are in the Chicago area. So uh, Chicago in blue, Joliet, uh, just uh, south uh, suburb of Chicago in, in orange. And uh, you know, see intermodal tender rejections, you know, typically they're in the single digits. They're, they're, they're one or 2%. Um, you know, most intermodal uh, loads are sort of auto accepted. So there's really not a tremendous amount of compliance issues. Um, but see, lately, um, you know, you see from the beginning of August, those those rates were less than five percent, two three percent, and those have shot up. Uh, Chicago, twelve percent, Joliet, fifteen percent. So, so, and and those are all um, you know related to customers that are moving, uh, you know, intermodal containers that are under contract. So even there's there's starting to get some compliance issues with intermodal containers, and uh, as our customers that are that that ship via intermodal, like some of the big CPG companies that you know, we know we would immediately tell you, well, you know, those tender rejection rates don't tell the whole story. The whole, the whole story would also include the fact that service is so poor that some of the, 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 the companies, you know, CPG companies and other shippers, um, you know, they, they had the, the load accepted, but they will go to the terminal, you know, get that container and move it on the highways, the highway themselves, because um, the service level just isn't there. The, 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 the goods aren't going to be on the shelf. So, you know, cl- clearly, I think that, um, you know, the service has been an, an issue, you know, there. And I think that, 
you know, maybe the, the service level is not high enough to really make it worth, uh, you know, shippers, um, you know, time uh, to, to, to use rail intermodal. We've heard that from, you know, some shippers, you know, lately. And um, really some of the feedback has been that the spread between truckload rate and intermodal is not wide enough to really make you want to use intermodal. And that's particularly true when, um, you know, demurrage and detention costs are included in intermodal, which can make it a parity or can make it even, even worse than parity. So really, I think shippers are not seeing a lot of, of value with intermodal, um, you know, at the moment. And, you know, we've seen other evidence of this just by comparing, you know, various other charts and, and sonar. I don't have a, char- a chart for this one, but it was looking at that, um, you know, with some other data uh, points for another, uh, for another webinar. And, you know, we can see pretty clearly that intermodal uh, domestic intermodal loaded uh, volume has underperformed long haul truckload volume. That, you know, basically the volume that goes over eight eight hundred miles. There's been a pretty significant underperformance there, and now you know domestic intermodal is 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 down pretty significantly. You know, year over year, uh, intermodal is also underperforming the the maritime import shipments, which you know usually those would would tie you know pretty close at least to the international side of, of intermodal, where you're moving the containers in, uh, moving the goods in forty foot containers primarily, um, but but really intermodal has underperformed um, you know, those two metrics, um, which usually tie you know, pretty close. So shippers are not seeing a lot of uh, value in intermodal is, is sort of the, the you know, one-liner there. Uh, next, next topic I'd like to discuss um, uh, is truckload spot rates and tender rejection rates are moving in opposite directions. And uh, you know, got this um, you know, a lot of the points here from an article that uh, Zach Strickland uh, wrote, who is uh, we call him the Sultan of Sonar because he knows Sonar in, inside and out, um, and uh, you know writes for FreightWaves.com. You've probably seen him on other shows. Uh, you know he did a nice uh, you know article about you know sort of why that is because you know we typically think of you know one of the, the key uh, metrics that we have at FreightWaves is our tender rejection rate, basically you know uh, measure of how you know compliant uh, carriers are with uh, their contracts or, or or lack thereof. When you see high you know tender rejection rate, that shows that there's you know, relative tightness in a particular market. And, and typically when the, the tender rejections rise, uh, spot rates rise shortly thereafter, um, you see that in the data. And, and, and really the reason that they're rejecting those, those, those uh, loads for the most part is they're chasing the shinier object. And in most cases, those are, are loads that are moving at, at higher spot rates. So, um, you know, usually those, those sort of um, move in, in line. If anything, you know, tender rejections, you know, lead uh, spot rates. Um, but lately, um, if we put the chart on the, 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 the screen, we've seen those move in opposite directions. You see there in, in green is the, the, the spot rates you know, per truckstop.com. You see those basically at all-time highs. And, and those are for van. You know, with reefer, it's also at an all-time high, all the way up to $3.99 for, for, for a mile for reefer, including fuel. Um, but you, know, you see you know, it's heading the opposite direction. Van outbound tender you know, reject rate, 22%. That's still very high. Um, but not any higher than it was, let's say, a year ago, and not as high as it was for most of the spring when it got up into that mid-high, mid or high 20% range. And, and really sort of a few reasons for that. I mean, the most obvious thing is that uh, the, the, the truckload spot rates there in, in green include fuel, and fuel has been an, on an absolute tear along with seemingly every other you know, type of commodity uh, you know, this year. Um, and then, you know, some of the other you know, reasons are that the contract rates have really been negotiated a, a lot higher levels as we've moved through the year. So there's been less of an incentive uh, on a per mile basis for carriers to reject loads now that the con- those contracts have rolled over, you know, during the tight 
you know, truckload um, you know, market, um, and they're getting better contract rates. Um, and also, you know, Zach uh, Strickland brought up a couple of other really good points here is that there's been a growth in short haul loads, which are loads that are less than 250 miles. And those short hauls, you know, have a very high revenue per mile. So you think of something that's, you know, a, a short haul load, like the, you know, the use case I like to talk about is, is kind of, you know, drayage, you know, let's say drayage in Chicago, where maybe the, the train goes into, you know, Joliet Yard and, um, you know, a trucker will take the container from Joliet to, let's say, a northern suburb. Um, maybe let's, let's, for the sake of argument, in the middle of the afternoon. Well, if you've driven that, you know how slow that can be. And then that, that trucker probably has to drive back, you know, maybe empty to pick up another container to do that again. And you can, you can imagine how on a revenue, on a per mile basis, you know, that's very expensive transportation. So, um, you know, he thought there was an increase in some of the short haul loads um, of less than 200, uh, 250 miles. And um, also the spot freight has a bias toward longer, uh, towards, the, towards the head haul lanes. And so, um, you know, basically... The reason, uh, you know, a lot of the, the spot market exists, you know, most of it exists and most uh, spot uh, freight starts off as, as, as contracted freight, but it, it, it falls through the routing guide and uh, with, with carriers rejecting it. And, and so it tends to happen in, uh, in lanes, you know, out of cities where the, the, the transportation capacity is very tight. And so um, it does tend to be, you know, head haul lanes where there's you know lots of you know shipper demand relative to the amount of capacity in a particular lane so those are expensive those are expensive lanes and um you know because the spot uh you know volume is weighted towards those expensive lanes that can come cause some divergence as well in a very tight you know freight market like we have now um but would not expect uh you know those two metrics to diverge from out for, forever um you know i think it's it's really sort of a, a normalization of you know, some of the very unusual, um, you know, uh, issues that have taken place in the, the freight market, you know, over the past, you know, year or so, um, you know, the carriers now are, you know, rushing to add, you know, capacity um, to the extent they can get trucks, to the extent they can find drivers, which both of those, uh, you know, are, are issues right now with both the labor, labor shortage and the, you know, semiconductor, uh, you know, shortage. But, you know, even with, you know, carriers, you know, adding capacity, um, you know, really the, the, the capacity situation is very tight and, and, and wouldn't necessarily, um, you know, think that it, you're having a tremendous amount of loosening, even with the, the tender rejection rate for van declining from about 27% to 22%, you know, since the beginning of July, a lot of that does reflect uh, contracts that have been renegotiated at higher levels. So, um, you know, that's a little bit of an update on ocean, intermodal, and truckload hit three different modes. Um, you know, next week, I uh, would encourage you to join us um, on the uh, show. We have uh, guests, um, you know, at least one guest from the Food Biz Podcast. This is a podcast that was launched recently by a company called Bar Charts that we know very well. They really deal, deal a lot with food shippers. And so we're going to have, um, you know, at least one of their co-hosts, uh, Kristen Tarpey and Ryan Nelson, on to discuss, you know, what's happening in the world of food um, you know, what they're seeing in their supply chains, you know, what's happening in the world of, of reefer. I can add, you know, what we're seeing in, in freight wave sonar in the world of reefer, which, you know, at the moment is very high rates um, and even a tighter uh, capacity situation than we've seen in a dry van. So would encourage you to tune in for that. Um, in the interim, if you're not already signed up for the Stockout newsletter, I uh, would encourage you to do that at www.freightwaves.com forward slash the stockout. Uh, look to get 
uh, newsletter every Tuesday morning and every Friday morning um, related uh, in some way to CPG companies um, and free transportation. Um, you know, but with that, um, I hope everyone has a great weekend. Um, and that's all for now. See you next week.